the background on, on this particular project, uh, Salmon and Tigers, is particularly rewarding for me. And, and there's a lot of different connections with, with other people. This didn't just happen. And certainly growing up, uh, we had very, very few books in our home. We did have a copy of Little Black Sambo. I remember as a kid, uh, you could not see yourself, uh, a person of color, mirror, echo in, in books. So that book uh, became very, very important to me. And it was also, um, it dealt with color. I've always had this sort of sense of color. And even I think I, as a child, color sort of awakened uh, uh, parts of me and parts of myself. So we had Little Black Sambo. It was owned by a family that was very proud. And I think we were also a family that kind of understood in a way that as people of color, we were not always spoken about, whether visually or through text, in the most positive light. But there was something about black, Little Black Sambo that in a way I could see, not necessarily myself, but I could see the sense of wanting to perhaps triumph over something much bigger than myself. We you know we grew up in a, a, a segregated city and I knew in many ways there were places and things I couldn't do or places I couldn't go. Little Black Sambo overcame his particular situation of these threatening tigers. So that was sort of, that was in place. I also was part of, in the 60s, was the, could have been very easily being uh, the one of the people who spoke about Little Black Sambo uh, and that it should not actually be in libraries or perhaps not being sold in bookstores. So I went into this project and th thinking on this project with those things, two things in mind. And, and I had to get over the fact that now looking at Little Black Sambo, and seeing um, and understanding what Sambo meant. How do I, in a way, deal with all those kind of competing uh, ideas and, and emotions? So I started collecting copies of um, different versions of Little Black Sambo. By the way, they're over like 50, over 50. And what I noticed as one is that in the interpretations, they went the full gamut. And that was also uh, on one extreme, you had a wall hanging where little black Sambo was four or five years old and the tigers were all tiger cubs. It was very cute. The other end, of course, was during the turn of last century where it was used to speak to plantation life and what the larger community thought about people of color. Cartoonists began to see um, every immigrant or newcomer as the other and interpret them that way. So it was kind of a vicious time, some oftentimes. And then I was visiting Charles Bloxon, the Charles Bloxon uh, collection, book collection at Temple University. I was there with my wife, Gloria Jean, and we were going through the shelves, and I noticed a whole shelf on Bannerman and um, versions of Little Black Sambo. I mean, here is a, a black collection that had in its collection versions of Little Black Sambo. And talking with Charles, I knew this was something that if he could value it as literature, and literature that, uh, a story that, that actually had its roots, even though the story took place original in India, it had its roots in some kind of interesting way in the black community because Sambo was of color, and then how it was used 
in, um, in that reinterpreting that story to fit the needs of, 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 of this country at the time, um, albeit negative. So I decided, okay, to keep pursuing this. So I would put the idea out there. One day I got a call from Julius Lester. He said, you know, I, I understand that you're working on Little Black Sambo. How could you do this without me? We had collaborated on Uncle Remus and um, John Henry. And I must admit, I, I you know, was still testing the waters. And I thought if there was anyone that might have an objection to this would be Julius. And I knew he was, he's from the South. Certainly um, Southerners were much more bruised by that, um, by Little Black Sambo than people of color from the North. And so that's how it started. So he and I agreed to collaborate. And I remember uh, Julius saying, I will come back to you in two weeks with a manuscript. And two weeks went by. Didn't hear from Julius. Three weeks went by. And now I could sleep the whole night because this project is never going to happen. And maybe that's the best thing. <laughs> and finally, I got a text, a manuscript in the mail. And then we proceeded. We knew the value of the story uh, in as much as it's story time. And at the same time, Julius from the South also, in a sense, was not a favorite of his as a child growing up. With me it was, but that again was um, this interesting thing about the how you see things through a particular lens. We have the same kind of um, intent or what we would like to happen. We, we understand the value of something and what we bring to it through his text and my art is two people talking about the same sort of um, having the same goal in mind and what we were trying to say but seeing it differently. And that's interesting too because I'm visual and he's text, but even in the thinking um, there is this always this sort of a dance between uh, Julius's um, text and, and my interpretation of his, his text. <laughs>